Welcome to the Joy Factory, monthly and inappropriately named podcast for the Joy Factory Project. On today's show, I'm joined by a special guest to talk about why video games are technically the eighth wonder of the world, or something like that. Thanks for joining me on this adventure of virtual nerdery. I am your host, Sean Duke, proprietor of the Skiffing Fanty Show, professor of nerdly things, sometime writer, and TTRPG dork. If you're here, it means you fell down a magic well into some kind of alternate reality. Welcome. We have Pocky. Uh, and with me today is Yori Casado, a writer, podcaster, reviewer, also a TTRPG dork. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends. <laughs> So the topic that we have today, which is about the joy of video games, is your fault. Because I was like, you want to come on the thing? And you were like, yes, I want to talk about this or the new Evangelion movie. And I was like, great, well, I can't do the Evangelion because I need to rewatch everything first. It needs to be released in your country first. Also that, because that, that would make things very complicated. So I want to ask as our starting question, which is, wh- why, Iori, why this topic? What, what, what are you doing to us? As many people probably do right now, I have a lot of time on my hands, and simultaneously, not that much attention span, ability to focus, ability to commit to things. So, as a result, at the top of the pandemic, I got a switch, and I started remembering, oh, hey, I like games. I had forgotten, see, because my Mac does this thing where if it runs anything even vaguely graphics-y for, say, half an hour. When I say vaguely graphics-y, I mean, like, on par with the visual novel. Dream Daddy overtaxes my Mac after half an hour. So I've <laughs> gone kind of a long time without gaming, and getting the opportunity to rediscover it sent me down the memory hole of, oh, yes, these are the reasons I enjoyed it. Well, that, okay, so so that leads us then to... Our topic proper, which is video games. And so obviously you have done like a lot of people, which is you, you picked up gaming again during the pandemic because, as you said, lots of free time on your hands. Uh, I also played more video games during the pandemic <laughs> than I normally do. And so I guess like the big question I want us to get to first before we kind of dive into maybe some very specific questions about, you know, things like NPCs that live rent free in your head, which is your question and other things. What about gaming has kept you so occupied beyond the obvious of it's a thing that I am doing? Like, what is the thing that's sucking you in? It's easy to focus on. It's very cliche to talk about how much I hate writing. But even in the before (laughs) times, my writing speed was on a good day, maybe 150 words per hour. Now that I'm going at about five words per hour... Being in my own head has become a really specific kind of nightmare. I'm having so many racing thoughts, and I cannot latch on to any of them long enough to get them down on paper. Video games direct my attention in a way that makes it easier for me to just chill out. I think I'm making it really obvious right now that I'm not one of those people who can tolerate mindfulness meditation. Like... I don't want to be in the moment. The moment sucks. Get me out of the moment. (laughs) 
so like let's get to some specifics so i know for myself uh one of the things that i've done is i've done a lot of like nostalgia gaming because they're just things that like they occupy a lot of time and they're things i'm familiar with and i really enjoy them so this has been in like two camps which is the actual game so i've been playing a lot of starcraft 2 and also uh, still playing Grim Dawn, which is not super, it's still technically new-ish, but it's a great action RPG, and, and like, kind of like uh, Diablo, and I've been really enjoying that. And then like watching StarCraft II tournaments or f- fighting game tournaments, mostly Sonic Fox, because Sonic Fox is, honestly, I don't, I don't know if he is actually from this planet, because he is just really good. And watching him play is, to me, is, is like a privilege, because he is a remarkable fighting game player. And I find the experience of watching and playing equally valuable to me. I get a lot out of either either side of that. It's just a different experience, but both occupy me. But what what about you? What are some some specific experiences in games that you find yourself like really latching onto? Uh, whether they're specific games or specific types of games, or you know maybe you went down a YouTube rabbit hole like me. So on the nostalgia track, I replayed Final Fantasy X and X two. Now that I am older, like, I'm 32 now, I think I played it when I was 15, and I'm a lot angrier about everything that happened in it. Because <laughs> when you're in the same age group as most of the protagonists, fine, yeah, these seem like reasonable decisions. Now I'm roughly the same age as Oren, who was supposed to be the reasonable adult in the group, and I see all the ways in which he is not a reasonable adult, and has basically failed these children in his care, and I'm mad about it. Oren, do your job. (laughs) You're not a good guardian. (laughs) I like how you say that, of like, going back to these old games and thinking about the narrative and the characters that exist in it, and how it's different as an adult as it was when you were a kid. So like, thinking, I was a kid when StarCraft 1 came out, and being very invested in the characters, and now as an adult, I'm still very invested, but I have a very different interpretation of what's going on. You know, like Kerrigan is this fantastic character, but she's also like a deeply tragic figure throughout StarCraft. And that has only caught on to me even more as an adult of watching her whole story and seeing how tragic her story really is. It's also there's like a romance in there because she loves Jim Rayner and they may or may not live until the end of StarCraft 2 and walk off into the sunset together. I'm not confirming or denying which one happens, but uh, it makes me happy because I like a happy romance. (laughs) I started replaying Final Fantasy VIII and I had to stop because I got so mad at the point where Squall's teachers tell him he's in charge of the school, which is now a warship. And I put down my switch and I shouted, he's 17. (laughs) You're adults, do your job. You're getting that thing of, like, uh, anytime they put children in charge of things that they definitely should not be in charge of. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are some other games? Obviously, we've got a lot of the Final Fantasy stuff, so you're kind of going back in time. Any newer stuff that you found yourself just getting obsessed with? Yes, I, like most of Twitter, fell down the Hades rabbit hole. Ah. Which is really interesting as an experience for me, because it's the kind of game I don't usually play. I am very much a turn-based combat person. Doing a roguelike almost never goes well for me. I really appreciate, then, how Hades is set up to reward failure. The mechanics of it, where failure is the only way that you grow and gain new abilities, 
meant that it wasn't disheartening to keep getting wiped out by a boss. That's interesting. I've not played Hades, but I, but when you say that, that's such an interesting thing because I do find that it is really tough for me as at at my age now to like put up with games that are too difficult to the point that if I lose, like I just know I can't get past this because losing all it does is you just resets you. It doesn't actually give you any benefit. But you're talking Hades having actually a benefit to to loss that you you can improve as a consequence beyond the like the traditional thing of like you just got to get better by keep doing it no this is like you might get abilities out of it or or some benefits that sounds really awesome as a as a game experience it fixed my problem with roguelikes <laughs> nice okay you and i are very different because i'm not a, a turn-based player <laughs> at all this one isn't so new but it was new to me I've been playing a lot of Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet. Now, for the listeners, Sean and I were actually having a discussion before we started recording about how I hate harem anime. Yeah. So, I have never liked Sword Art Online. As a franchise, I feel that the interesting plot points are frequently undermined by how incredibly bland and tedious Kirito the protagonist is. Fatal Bullet fixed this! Oh! Because Fatal Bullet is a JRPG that is cosplaying as an MMO. You make your own character! Kirito the protagonist gets pushed off to the side to be that one friend who has a really wild life and keeps saying incredibly alarming things about his involvement with the government. (laughs) And you take your place in this cast of exciting characters, and if you want, you can basically ignore Kirito for most of the story and just hang out with all the cool girls he surrounds himself with, which is way more fun. You basically... It's a JRPG of an MMO about guns, so you can set up a little Charlie's Angels girl squad and go have fun. Nice! It also fixes a bunch of the problems with MMOs, specifically trying to schedule all your friends being around at the same time for a raid. But to maintain the narrative fiction of it being an MMO, the other characters do sometimes talk about, oh yeah, I have to go to the grocery store after this, or I'm making such and such for dinner tonight. Which is actually really fun for immersion, because it does start to convince you that you are in this MMO world, interacting with real people. Except, you know, with none of the actual logistical problems of doing so. Right, yeah, dealing with actual people's schedules. And given that many people that you know are not where you live, schedules get complicated. Yes. <laughs> that sounds really interesting, uh, because I like MMOs, but I don't necessarily like having to deal with the people. But if I can have the illusion, maybe I should play some some of that particular game, that version of Sword Art online. It it seems to me, based on some of the games that you're you're telling me about you're a big jrpg fan jrpgs tend to be more likely to have turn-based combat i think true but also it's just what i've been exposed to since i was child oh okay yeah so that makes sense so that it's probably there's perhaps a degree of comfort there because it is something that already is somewhat familiar because of your own upbringing yeah Mm mm-hmm that's awesome. Uh, so great. What other games have you been enjoying? I revisited Bayonetta, which I do on a regular basis anyway. 
And then I got to play the sequel for the first time, because originally Bayonetta 2 was a Wii exclusive. And there's oh, no okay. point in having a Wii if you don't have a TV. I played a lot of Sakuna of Rice and Ruin. It has combat, but at its heart, it is a deeply detailed rice farming simulator. And when I say deeply detailed, I mean you have to pay attention to tilling the soil. You sort the grains for planting. You have to monitor your irrigation levels regularly. Wow. Okay, so this makes Animal Crossing look like <laughs> for children. <laughs> it's Harvest Moon Hard Mode. Oh, wow. Okay. I've, I've never heard of a game that it was that detailed of a simulator for rice, but I imagine that rice is a little bit particular. The game is so finicky about it that when a player tweeted the developers for advice about dealing with rice blight, the developers linked them the official, official Japan Rice Growers Association guides. Wow. Because, yeah, your rice can get rice blight. There's overgrowth. There's undergrowth. They did put in basically all the weird crop diseases that real rice gets. The attention to detail is astounding. That is, that sounds really interesting and also possibly sometimes frustrating, <laughs> especially if you really don't know anything about rice. I'm still having problems with rice blight. Oh, you still haven't solved it. Well, if it makes you feel better, societies took generations to figure that out. So <laughs> you're just one person, Yori. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, uh, uh, are there other games that you find yourself returning over and over to? I mean, I've obviously been mostly in the Grim Dawn StarCraft 2 territory. Uh, and so those have been like the number ones that I've been playing over and over. But what about you? Is, it, is there, are there any others that stick out to you? This March, Yurikan Motoskohen came out. Um, so Yurikan's Lake Motosko chapter. Yurikan is an anime and manga about high schoolers who just go camping alone in the woods. It's deeply relaxing. So this is okay. less a game than just kind of a VR experience where you play as one of the girls and you and your bestie go to camp together on the shores of Lake Motosko and you look at Mount Fuji and you eat curry and your cell phone sits on the table in front of you and never blows up with messages... It's just this deeply relaxing, healing place to go for mm, half an hour, 20 minutes. It's fantastic. You can really set the pace yourself. It's a relaxation simulator. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I guess for you, given that you're in the city, that, that would have extra value because I don't know how easy it is for you to get to that kind of real world experience from where you are. But my guess is it's, it's not something you can just like walk down the street to. I could day trip to Motosko by train. It would take me a little while. But, you know, camping gear is sort of an investment. Yeah. And while we're in partial lockdown, it's been really helpful to me to have a fake outdoors. because That's perfect, yeah. The parks are technically open, but at least the ones near me have guys with megaphones telling you that you should really go home. Yeah, well, that sounds, that sounds great. So we've got a relaxation simulator, bunch of... Uh, JRPGs and different different types of uh, interesting stuff. Have you have you played One Piece yet? I am not familiar with One Piece. I mean, I see it everywhere I go. There's a giant One Piece store inside Sunshine City, but because One Piece, 
I know it's long, okay? The major thing I know about One Piece is that it would be a tremendous time commitment. True. And I just don't have that in me. <laughs> okay. I, I don't blame you. I've not seen all of One Piece. I've seen a bits and pieces, but I picked up the One Piece World Breaker game when it was on sale because it just it's a it's a, a open world you play pirates so you just and it's obviously it's in a sort of animated uh anime style with in 3D and so you're just running around committing acts of piracy as basically one piece and i presume other characters because i've not gotten a chance to play it yet and it just looks so much fun and that's solely the reason i picked it up not because i had any familiarity with one piece other than knowing what it is um i just love the idea of just it's a bonkers world where i just run around like punching skeletons and other kinds of things <laughs> so it sounded like a lot of fun i've also been on the pokemon snap train now that new snap is out and oh wow the world is gorgeous. I've been really pleased with it. It's deeply relaxing. I mean, I've been playing Pokemon since I was 10, I think. So sure. well over two thirds of my life have been spent with my Pokemon. And seeing the world expand in this way, like full color, 3D, non-combat interactions, getting to see Pokemon actually out in the wild is really weirdly emotional for me. Like, during one of the early levels, I actually started crying a little because the world was Aww. just so much bigger and more beautiful these days. That's awesome. I, I have heard very good things about that game, and I think one thing you're bringing up here is something that I, I found myself also really enjoying, which is game experiences, It for me particularly, game experiences that take away competition. Mm-hmm. I still like action, you know, I like those kinds of things, but I find myself moving even further and further away from like the stress that those kinds of games can produce. And so Snap is a game I played obviously the the original one on N64 as a kid, and so I have very fond memories. Uh and so that is a type of game that if if I had the console for it, I would already own that game immediately <laughs> because it sounds utterly delightful to just go take pictures of Pokémon. <laughs> Yeah, it's really great to watch them interact with each other without fighting. There is a yeah. little of that, but you don't have to be involved in it. You just need to take a good picture of it. <laughs> right, right. Do you have a favorite Pokemon? Always and forever, Absol. Ah, okay. I respect it. I respect it. I am, am a Scyther guy. Like me a Scyther. Can't help it. Sorry, he's just super cool. Scyther does have really good designs. Also, for anyone who played the original, Todd's back and he got the glow up. Oh. I'm not 100% comfortable with Hot Todd because I remember, you know, young Todd. Oh, wow. Hot Todd. Okay. Whew. That's going to be complicated feelings, I imagine, for some people. I think the thing that's truly jarring about it is this is the first time anyone in the Poke Pokemon universe has aged. That's a really good point because I'm trying to rack my brain for any characters that I'm familiar with mm -hmm. that have aged. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head, so that's alarming. And he got and he got hot. Yeah, now that I think about that, there's something a little jarring about that. That this is the only acknowledgement we've ever really had of time passing. I feel like we're going to have an existential crisis over this. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. 
Well, okay. So obviously, we're uh, a lot of the games that we've talked about have been games that in some way have very significant uh, non-player characters, NPCs. Uh, StarCraft II obviously has very important ones for the campaign mode. And I know that you had this question, and I and I wanted us to talk about it because you asked it in such a delightful way, which it, are some of the NPCs that live rent-free in your head. And why do they live rent-free in your head, Yori? So so give it to me. Who is who is one of one or two of the NPCs that live rent-free in your head and why? Okay, we're briefly ve- veering off into bummer territory here, but I used to play Guild Wars 2. Ah, okay. And when I played Guild Wars 2, I had a partner, and his name was Lightbringer Tybalt Leftpaw. He was a char, which is the race of cat people. Like, not sexy cat people, actual cat people. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's a really important distinction to make in MMO land. Yeah, yeah, it's important, yeah. You know, I really looked into logging in and going on story quests with him because he was a good partner. He was fun. He was funny. He took interest in the storyline. Like, he was tremendously well-written. And then, spoilers for a very old game, he sacrificed himself to save me in a zombie invasion, and that completely broke my heart. Like, I leveled up, I went on a roaring rampage of revenge, and then I quit the game because I no longer had any motivation to keep going without my best friend in there every day. And that's why I play Monster Hunter now, because you have a sidekick cat who is also fun and full of attitude, and as a bonus, is never exposed to real danger. Aww. But I still think of Tibble a lot as an example of really good character writing. He is written to invest in your relationship in a way that really compelled me to reciprocate. So I was really invested in learning more about his backstory, helping him advance through his career. Well, that sounds really lovely. Sounds like you've had a good time with a little bit of bummer on the other end, at the end. Yes. I'm sorry. A good time with a tragic ending. <laughs> I, I think it's fun that you're, you're bringing that up because what you've talked about is one that's lived rent-free in your head is a character that obviously had a very deep, positive, overall positive relationship with. And in my case, the characters that live rent-free in my head are villain bosses that are in Grim Dawn because they have killed me so many times <laughs> in really horrific ways uh, where it just, I got so sad because I was like, I thought I did everything right for the design of this character that I could do this. And you just w- rip through me like paper. And the one that does it to me all the time is this character called Rashalga the Mad Queen, who is like this giant ant monster creature. She like crawls around and The problem with her is she has this ability that she can steal your life. So when you get caught in that wave, she basically heals herself while also killing you. And so if you're playing any character that isn't ranged, you basically have to like time it correctly, except sometimes her pattern changes because she just decides to screw with you. And so you'll have worked 
for like 10 minutes like yeah i got you i got you and i've done everything right and then like she gets you once and her health's back up to the beginning and then she one shot kills you and i was just like that's that's not fair (laughs) so every time i get back to it i'm always with her in my head of like this is the time that she's gonna kill me really quickly again isn't it this is what's gonna happen i'm gonna have done all this work for nothing and Thankfully, the last time I fought her, I just wrecked her really well because I had a great character for it. But I know the next time she's going to get me again because that's what they do. <laughs> that sounds rough. It sounds rough. Like Grimdon is, is, I think part of what makes Grimdon really interesting is that it's not as complicated as Path of Exile with that like absurd wheel of skills. It just like dozens of dozens of different pathways. But it still has complexity to where you, like, when you get to the end game stuff, like, yeah, you can finish the campaign, but then there's, like, other little bits and bobbles that you can do. But you actually have to, like, spend some time thinking about, like, how do I I want this character to work? Because uh, going up against certain kinds of things, certain designs, they just aren't viable. They'll, they'll just get killed. They, they, they die. And so you have to, like, actually kind of pay a little attention and as long as, you know, you're not doing the stuff that, like, the real hardcore gamers do, which is, like, playing on, like, the worst difficulty imaginable, it's all doable. It's just sometimes certain characters are jerks. And Rashago the Mad Queen is a jerk. I also want to circle back to Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet because that JRPG masquerading as an MMO setup has actually been really effective for convincing me of the realness of the characters to the point that I will catch myself thinking, God, I haven't hung out with Kureha in forever. I should log in and we should do a quest together. That'd be fun. That sounds great. Something will remind me of Itsuki and I'll think of him and be like, I should tell him about that. And then I remember, wait, no, we're not friends anymore. And then I remember, wait, no, that's not a person under there. You've been tricked by the writing. You're making me want to play more games where the side characters are, you know, really well developed and have like narratives and stories and and characterization and all of that. Because while most of the games I've played, I've I've not played on like a, a campaign mode where there is a lot of like character elements that really matter there's there's like a point like i'm trying to get to the end of this sequence or whatever it is i do sometimes miss games where you you'd have those like deep relationships like games like uh knights of the old republic you know where like decisions you make actually have some impact for later on you can kind of get invested to the point like there are characters that are supposed to die in that and and when they do you're just like well no (laughs) I want you to live. What are we doing here? Uh, and I do miss that sometimes of having those those deep, close relationships. I, I'll be honest, Cyberpunk 2077, while I did enjoy aspects of that game, I've not finished it yet. I, I won't say that I necessarily like any of the characters because that world is pretty grim and everyone is varying degrees of, of not a good person. <laughs> so they're not, they're not the kind of NPCs we're talking about. I think in some ways... My social lives are very separate between RL and online. And to the point that, like, most of my IRL friends and I don't text each other. We just always hit the same places and meet up. So because of the pandemic, one of my social lives has ground to a screeching halt. And one of them, my online one, has continued fairly unimpeded. And these are spheres that 
don't really intersect at all. Like, the Venn diagram here is two separate circles. <laughs> so, in some ways, I think I'm getting my socialization fix out of NPCs lately. That's awesome. Well, look, you got to get it from somewhere. Well, to end us on a a future look forward look, is there a game that you are excited for that you want to try next? doesn't have to be a new game, per se, but is there something where it's like, I haven't played that yet, but I want to? It's something I want to revisit, actually. This year, the anime version of The World Ends With You is coming out, so I really want to go back and replay the game. It's been like 10 years since I last played it, and I remember loving it. And one of the things I love about it, actually, is how accurate the in-game environment is to Shibuya. Hmm. But because Shibuya develops pretty rapidly, a lot of the big landmarks are still there, but the streets no longer look quite like they did in the game. So I'm interested in visiting it as sort of a time capsule of the Shibuya in my memories versus the Shibuya that I can go to now. That sounds really exciting. You're making me think of Shenmue for some reason, <laughs> which is a game I have played. And so uh, it is one of my favorite games of all time. But yeah, when you were talking about the, the design of the streets, it was making me think of just all the characters and stuff that you meet on the, on the actual streets in the game uh, and all the little things. If you've never played it, it might be a game you actually would enjoy. It does have an action component, but it is a lot of fun. And you can collect little, uh, uh, I don't know what they call them, but they're like little little toys that like you use a little coin to get at, get out of a little machine. Oh, Gashapon. Yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, basically those. Yeah. And you can collect those in the game, which is really cool. Neat. Well, uh, in terms of games that I am looking forward to, I have not played Untitled Goose Game yet. And I... <laughs> I want to so bad. <laughs> so at some point this summer, I think I'm going to finally get to play that game uh, where I'm just going to be a a terrible goose who just ruins farmers' lives. <laughs> and I am not going to feel guilty at all because geese are awesome. <laughs> Go forth. Cause problems. I plan to. I'm going to steal that farmer's hat. I'm going to bite his little tush. I'm going to do all the things. <laughs> It's such a silly game, and I just love... I love silly games, and so A-plus to the designers of that game. <laughs> well, perfect, Iori. Well, we're we're at about time, and so I think we've, we've scratched the surface on gaming, and now I need to go play all of the Final Fantasies because you have reminded me that there are fan Final Fantasies I've never played because I was a Nintendo buyer in the early times, and they weren't on Nintendo until apparently they're on the Switch now, so... Only some of them. Only some of them. Well, I'll do my best. Well, there you have it, folks. We did it. We did a new episode. Whoop, whoop. I do want to hear from you. So I would be curious if there are specific games that folks at home have been enjoying that have brought them some sort of joy, or if there's an NPC that lives red free in your head to borrow Yori's question again, uh, I would love to hear so uh, about that. So you can email me directly at seanduke.net slash contact, or you can yell at me on Twitter at seanduke. Yori. If you'd be so kind, where can folks find you and your things? You can find me at kusanoiori.com if you want to read my writing or reviews. If you're interested in watching me scream into the void, at Iori Kusano on Twitter. Note that my name is spelled I-O-R-I. There are no L's in my name. Correct. You're also on Speculate, as I recall, correct? Yes. I am playing in Blades in the Dark, The Case of the Cindered Seal, 
every month with the excellent Mike Underwood, Yoy Gawain Lynn, and Valerie Valdez, GM'd by Skiffy and Fanti co-host Brandon O'Brien. It is a blast. You should check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, I just downloaded all of them so I can uh, get caught up and also listen to everything in order. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm in for an experience because there are like 30 episodes or something. <laughs> so, yeah, well, great. Well, thank you very much, Yori, for coming on and talking about video games with me. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. It was a lot of fun. So, obviously, at home, make sure to check out Joy Factory monthly on your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy the show, five-star review on the iTunes or you can send up a balloon with, like, my name on it if you want. Uh, whatever makes you happy. Uh, and on that note, joyful transmission concluded. Mm-hmm.